With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's okay. Finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's steps with Sanchez. Lucas Moura. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ongombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Let's take it out of the way. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Oh, wow, what a run. Jimmy Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best. Of his career. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Touchline Hotspur. Uh, I'm making my hosting debut this week, so for any potential new listeners or who just don't recognise my voice, my name is Ohio. I'm a very stress-free Tottenham fan in general because I do not let them affect my peace. This week I have uh, three, three of the mandem with me. Hello brothers. Uh, first we have Jack. How are you doing my friend? Uh, just living off apathy right now. Um, yeah, uh, what, what, what can I say? I mean, uh, how can you? How, like you said, how can you let this team affect you and it keeps doing this to you every week? That's literally it, man. You have to protect your peace. And that was our uh, resident chairman of the Harry Winks uh, Association. We have uh, Dave, our resident football coach. How are you, brother? <laughs> yeah, very frustrating. Um, oh, mate. <laughs> Just can't see anything coming <laughs> the rest of the season, and I'm, you know, I'm a man of faith, but boy, this is tough. Wow, this is me, boy. This is me. Has yeah, your questioning, boy? Has your questioning for real? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> boy, I, you know who I feel for you. I feel for our, the Muslim Tottenham fans. How are you feeling this during Ramadan? This is this is <laughs> what you signed up for in the slightest. Yeah. And then so we have our. We have our resident Harry Winks chairman, we have our resident coach, and of course our resident Peaky Blinder himself. Owen, how are you, my friend? 
I'm going to let the podcast determine my mood. Uh, hello again. Yeah, fine, <laughs> sorry. Welcome again to the Deja Votspur uh, podcast. Let's get into it. <laughs> oh, the pain. Flipping hell, man! Jesus Christ! Oh God! Right, cool. We're gonna. We, so this is recording, obviously live, straight after the Everton game. So I think the first thing we're gonna say is, you know, Tobes is losing his head at the three at the back. So I think the best, best thing to start with is what was going on with that lineup, Dave. I'm gonna let you start. Chat to me about the lineup. Yeah. So. You know, I, I, when I looked at it, it took me about five minutes to try and work out what he was going to do. And, and yeah, it was three at the back. Looked like a 3-5-2 um, on the ball. But then like a mismatch of a 5-4-1 off the ball. It was really... I think the, the worst thing about it is manager of his experience. Um, you know, those kind of formations, you need to have the right players in, in position. Do you know what I mean? He played, you know, our slowest defenders... Okay, uh, as a back three, that's a warning sign. Um, and in the midfield, he had our two slowest midfielders. So any time we had to shift across, any time we had to do anything of any with any sort of movement and, and, and dynamic, we just we just got we got completely outplayed. Um, we let a makeshift Everton team dominate us. You know, Richarlison and, and Sigerson were were having their way in that first half, making runs off everyone. Um, and the lineup kind of predicted it because we just didn't have the pace to, to really play in such a fluid system. And, I, and I, it makes me think, and I know people have probably said this online and whatnot, you know, what's he been doing all week? You know, he's, he's had these guys all week. There's no midweek games. We're not playing in, in any European competition. We've had two or three solid weeks now to lead up to these games. And it's just mishmash, completely mishmash. Um, and I'm not, you know, we know that some of these players aren't good enough. You know, we know that. Um, but you've got to pick a team that can either mask that or or just get around some of those obvious problems. You know, Sissoko and Hoiberg, we know that's not going to work. Do you know I mean, we absolutely know that's not going to work. And, you know, there was one point in the game, sorry, I'm not going into the game now, but Sissoko, you remember Sissoko in the, um, in the Champions League final? He gave away a penalty for sticking up his hand, right? He literally did that for the whole game today. Every time the ball's around him, he's pointing this way, pointing that way. I'm like, dude, oh my life. It's so frustrating. But you pick those type of system and you can't work miracles with the, with the calibre plays you've got. And um, here we are. Here we are indeed. Uh, you touched on our midfield a little bit earlier. Jack, I was wondering what your thoughts were on our control or lack thereof, actually. Um, especially in the first half, um, feel free to uh, crucify any players of your choosing. Um, let me start with Hoybier. Um He's been poor for the past month or so. Um, his passing is completely off. Every time he gets a touch, his second touch ends up being the tackle. Um, just everywhere he receives the ball, it's, it just puts us in danger. Um, Regidon, um, well, he's not midfielder, but absolute poor absolute poor uh, just one, probably his worst game in his first shirt um, and Dombele been, been poor in 2021 I have to say he's been he's not I can't def- I've been defending this guy since he's joined us but I can't defend him in 2021 he's been poor he's, his passing is, is horrific it's horrific he's a shadow of what he can be 
and it's, it's just worrying. It's worrying. Every single player in, on this on the pitch is just not performing at any level at all, apart from Kane, apart from Harry Kane. Absolutely no control in that midfield. Um, it just begs the question, you know, how do you replace Christian Eriksen? What kind of player do you replace Christian Eriksen with? Because we haven't. We haven't. We need that profile of player in our team. And even a half-assed Christian Eriksen would have done a better job than anyone in this midfield right now. But Christian Eriksen, because of his final season, because of his demeanour, he'll be the, he'll get he'll always get slated and he'll always be remembered by a section of the fan base as rotten. And it's sad. It's sad because he would he would be the player that would bring that control. We don't have anyone that in our squad that could do that. I absolutely agree. I think. You know, there's a lot of chat of, uh, you know, people talking about Lo Celso was supposed to replace him and some people say he wasn't. Some people said we were meant to get Lo Celso and Bruno. Some saying else that wasn't the plan. Um, and yeah, you know, I think it's fair to say that this this pod is is pretty much a Tongi and Dombele stand account. Always has been, always will be. You know, we have quite literally pulled up screenshots of people talking shit on our boy. But, you know, one thing we aren't is biased and we, we just have to accept that he's not necessarily been good enough recently. Um, Hoybier as well. I think it's it's getting harder not to allow Disu to call him uh, oil burger. I'm I'm having to let that one slide nowadays. There was one particular pass that he hit. I think he tried to hit Reggie around the corner with his left foot. I don't yeah. Know if oh, yeah. And it's not even like it was along the ground and he misplaced it or was five yards behind. It quite literally went, went into like row F. Like it was like eight feet in the air. And I was just a bit like, what are you doing? He got that yellow. When he got that yellow in the seventh minute, I said, okay. He's not going to play well today, um, but you know I think I'm very ho- I'm hopeful for a turnaround, just just not necessarily this season. Uh, Owen, did you have any thoughts on any particular performances apart from apart from the killer up top, of course? Well, with um, just some of the system, I I didn't actually hate the system. It was more um, was it the personal in place. I don't think you can play a three three at the back without having a plan to control the middle of midfield because um, it, it, it invites way too much pressure, especially if, if Oldberger's off it, Sissoko is in there being being him. He it, it's, it's still insane to me how much he's fallen off a cliff this season and not necessarily our best ball-playing centre-backs. Um, and yeah, funnily enough, that is, that is something that ended up happening. We invited pressure, shock. Um it's it's annoying that we do have somewhat of a controller in our squad that could have played in midfield tonight, but Mourinho's ran him into the ground and had everyone thinking that he's actually a really shit player in Winks. Um, even Lo Celso could have probably played in that role tonight yeah, to a better effect. Um, as for everything else, I, I can't actually name a positive performance tonight other than Kane's to be honest, and Kane ended up just feeding on scraps and he actually got um, two goals, fair play to him. And Dombele, I never did necessarily hate him playing in that kind of advanced, as as the most advanced midfielder, as long as he wasn't just told to just stick up there and wait to receive the ball because it was clear we did not have a plan to progress the ball to him in the first place. We have to play to his strengths and he has to come deep and break the lines himself. But for whatever reason, the manager instruction doesn't seem to be that he has to wait for the ball, which just never comes to him. Because um, unfortunately, he is the best in our team. 
when he's even when he's out of form to receive the ball in the half turn and play those through balls. So all in all, I didn't, as I say, I didn't hate the the system, but just the way it was implemented was was absolutely awful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, by all means, yeah. Just just what you know, what I was saying there. A lot of the players that we just rightly said have had poor performances. I know someone's mentioned about Reguilón and, and Son. They've had poor performance because they've been playing out of position in some some games. You know, we're putting in Dominic as a ten without anyone to feed him the ball. He goes invisible for ten twenty minutes at a time. Um, even today, there was you know with Sissoko and, and Hoiberg behind you, you're not getting nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like I said, Sissoko was standing like a traffic warden. You know, just pointing pointing people around the pitch. It's just horrible. Do you know what I mean? Um, on, yes, he, he obviously he had a hit injury, and I do think he's suffering that kind of typical first season. You've gone through that Christmas break. You've played a lot of games. Um, I think he's got a little bit of that in in his performances, which is what's kind of affecting him. Um, Hoiberg's been running to the ground. Our substitutions are weird. You know, it's a mess really from 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 Mourinho, and, and I think that's what's affecting a lot of the the performances of our better players, bringing them back to the pack. And then we've got, obviously, issues in defence um, every single game. Every single game there's issues. And um, that first chance that Richarlison had, he pretty much walked into the penalty box, um, you know, without any sort of contest for many of our three defenders. So it's just it's a shocker in some of these personnel picks. And, and like I said, with that change in formation, um, it's not going to help. Agreed. Well, yeah, I was I was going to get on to, you know, Dread Knight's comment in there about um, Sonny not getting as much blame. But again, it's also going to be extremely difficult when the board doesn't come. I think I saw not a, not a heat map, I think it was a touch map of uh, Ndombele's touches in the first half. And, you know, part of it was him not playing well at all. But there was also in that general 10 area, you know, 20, 20 to 25 uh, or so yards outside the box. I'm pretty sure he only had two touches in the first 45 minutes in that zone. Which which is extremely scary. Um, I think the next bit it would make more sense to talk about is um, the Harry Kane carry job, as it is as it seems to be most of the time. Um, obviously, Owen, you touched on Kane a little bit there, so I'm I'm gonna let you talk us through the Kane carry job for tonight. Yeah, there was um, there was an interesting bit of uh, commentary, and this is a bit of uh, it's it's pretty much typical of Sky Sports recently where they're saying that oh he's barely had a touch in the game he's barely um, been seen etc where all I saw was him dropping deep and trying to link play for for most of the game it's been, well I, I did miss a bit of the first half but from what I was watching he was constantly dropping deep to get the ball off for himself pass it off try just try and get the team playing with just a few little um, little layoffs a few little passes and then to try and get in the box but for whatever reason, it, it it didn't come off. The team looked largely out of sync. I can't fault his effort. Like there there have been a few times recently where I've thought like he's his body language is starting to look really really fed up, and I I don't blame him to be fair. But it's it's looking like he's gradually getting more fed up. Um, but yeah, it was just a weird narrative from again Sky Sports to kind of say that ah oh, he's or they're implying that he's not in the game he's not trying where he he was by far our best player tonight he was the only one really looking like a threat it was lucky in the way he got his goals yeah but you make your own luck and that's uh 
that's all I can say really. He's gonna be a big mess next weekend if if this injury of his looks as bad what well, is as bad as it looked earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. It's um the harder you train, the more lucky you're gonna get. And they just find he he finished like the killer that we all we all know he is, and the shouts of you know Kane has to leave to do whatever is is are only gonna get louder. You know, Jay Spurs said it um in the comments. You know, he was feeding off scraps the whole game, and he's still mm. bad. Um and I actually didn't notice this part of the game because I was I was busy finishing up the agenda. But Kane obviously went off. Uh, with an injury um, in the 90, 93rd minute. Um, I put, I actually didn't see the challenge. Jack, I don't know if you saw it. Um, yeah, Richarlison sort of landed on him. Um, yeah, it, it looks um, it looks bad. It looks bad. Oh, and, um, that, that was going to be my next thing. I was like, do you, was it a case of he came off because there were 15 seconds left and we had another sub, or could he not walk? Really, he was hobbling a fair bit, and um, yeah, I, it could be, it could be because of that, and hopefully, at most, it's a knock. But we know, we all know about Harry Kane's ankles, both of them, um, and we know what it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he did. He walked off the pitch shaking his head, so that that probably says it all. Really, it's probably worse than it was probably as bad as we're fearing. So. League Cup final next week as well. That was the thing as well. Like he was, it was about a minute and a half left in the game when the challenge actually happened. So for Kerry Kane to not want to at least see the rest of the game out was really telling. Um, and again, um, like Jay Spurs is saying in the comments, he he literally walked off the side of the pitch um, a different way to everyone else at the final whistle, shaking his head. So yeah. Despite his new trim, it, it didn't look good. Didn't look good. Uh, it's just an amalgamation of what it means to be a Tottenham Hotspur fan. The only shining light we have in the team, and we're probably not, probably not going to have him before the final. I mean, we're going to touch on we're going to touch on some Jose stuff a bit later on. But I, I do, ha- I have a feeling. I think Kane will play in that, um, in that final. Just at least because we've got, we've got at least there's a game in between. I think they'll definitely put him on ice for Southampton, but. And I, I'm not saying he has to. Like, obviously, him playing in the final gives us a better chance of winning. But I think it's going to be it'll be a mix of Kane wanting to play. Do you know what I'm saying? As as our, as our star player, but then also Jose does have a history of um, of of trying to push players through uh, through injury. But like I said, we'll um, we'll touch on that later on. I think that's enough about Everton. Uh, we lost to a team. I say lost. It felt like we lost. Uh, we didn't beat a team that had Tom Davies at the anchor, despite the fact we were slewing him under AD Booth for its management. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna rewind a little bit. We're gonna go to the United game. We're gonna review that. We've had a bit of time for it to, I say, get out of our system, but it still, still leaves quite a bit of taste. Um, I think I'll probably just start with. Uh, I don't even know where to start. To be honest, should we start? We can start with who? Who do you feel did or didn't stand out? Who was who was poor in the United game? I think a whole lot of them were, but for me, Eric Dyer was the worst. Um, I've, I mean, he's had some shockers for us this this, uh, this season <clears throat> or the past couple of seasons. Not been a great player at the back, but I think for me, just watching him, you know, Cavani. We all know what he's about. Like Cavani's not going to pick up the ball in halfway line and take it around three, four players and, and smash it in top end, is he? He's all about quick movements. He's a poacher in and around the box, you know, feeding off, you know, passes from Pogba, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and I think the fact that you know Dyer had absolutely no respect for Cavani's movement, he just he just left him. He's like, oh, you know what? He can just do whatever he wants. He can he can set up tent in our in our box and 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 just leave him. And for all United's best play was coming off Cavani, just peeling off him, just so easily. Um, he was pretty much playing you know square to to the um, to the touchline um, in, in some in some ways. And I think for me, it just it really just showed how we can't trust these players. You know, um, he's obviously we all know he's not good enough at that position, even though he, he feels like he is. Um, and we invite too much pressure, you know, for for that kind of thing. We need to play further up the pitch if we're gonna, you know, because we know that our players are limited. But asking these players in the current level they're at, and with all the silly mistakes that they're making, to sit back, sit deep, um, concentrate, and you know, track runs, all that kind of stuff is just asking for trouble. So again. Dyer was for me indicative of the whole performance, um, and it's it's just you know we're living off and I know we said earlier about Kane feeding off scraps, but I feel like the whole team is just living off scraps. It's just fumes, <laughs> you know. You can see that you know players don't want to have a play in these these um, kind of defensive setups. Um, they don't really have an out ball. They don't have any invention or creativity really. Um, and when we do have a bright spark, you kind of think, all right, can we do this for five, ten minutes? Psh, mate, two minutes later, we're back on, you know, on the edge of our box and, and getting peppered by, you know, Pogba. Um, and I think the fact that Fred scored against us, you know, adding to the to the list of, I think it's the Hall of Fame. I think we, the Premiership Hall of Fame of, of players to score against Spurs this season with um, um, Joe Linton um, looking at prime Ronaldo against our back four um, every time we play against Newcastle. Um, I think just you know it just showed us it showed up how how bad we were and even when we were up, um, I knew that it was going to probably end up in a loss because our defenses had no idea where their attackers were um, to try and stop any sort of momentum from there really. Exactly that, um, and you know if you looked at the lineup almost almost to a point maybe bar. Uh, Lucas for maybe Gareth Bale and obviously Eric Dyer. It was it's the team that a lot of Spurs fans have been calling out for most of the season. We had we had Hoybier and Domble and Lacelso. We had Son Kane and but in Lucas Moura's defence, he has actually been one of our better players, especially turn of twenty twenty one. And admittedly, that's not that's not saying a lot. Um, Jack, what did you think of our? Um, yeah, Lacelso on the right. In that right-hand area, what were your thoughts on him? Um, I thought he did okay in the first half. He, he, I liked his intensity. One thing we we definitely do get from Lasso is he he's always a runner. He's always chasing. He's good off the ball, um, and I think that's something that Mourinho appreciates when he when he plays when he's on that pitch. Um, didn't affect the game too much on the ball. Um, no, no one did that game to be honest. Um, we were pretty, we were pretty fortunate. <laughs> I can't even remember. I tried to like forget that game as soon as the year, as soon as full time went. So there's not too much I even remember from it. I just remember, yeah, um, I remember Lacelso being pretty, um, pretty decent off the ball. But I, yeah, he wasn't again second half performance when United were on the front foot and really on the front foot, and uh, we were sort of chasing shadows almost. Yeah, he, he wasn't in the game. They were breaking through our press and very, very easily, or our so-called press, um, which obviously they're not they're not coached to do. Um, but generally, in terms of the season, he's, we know he's had his injury problems, and 
But since he's been here, I can't say I've been overly impressed at all. He's definitely not um, been value for money, um, definitely for me. And um, he would make a good squad player for where we want to achieve. But I can't see this guy. I can't see us needing this guy to start week in, week out. And, you know, sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck. He's not that kind of player at all. I think... I mean, that was a fairly unfair question for me because I literally said it and I thought, I cannot remember a lot. For, I think I've actually forced this United game out of my memory. Um, Owen, I'm going to be a little bit mean here and remind you that you are on record of saying that you were fairly confident in Dombele was going to, and I'm going to paraphrase here, um, spin Pogba out of his socks. And uh, it would seem that Pogba locked him down like a shin pad. So would you, what were your thoughts on Ndombele in that game? And Pogba. Um, I, I would be forced and inclined to agree with that point on uh, Pogba versus Ndombele because really and truly he, he did dunk on us, um, mainly in the second half. Do you know what? I, I, was, I was actually quite buoyed um, by our first half performance because, yeah, obviously we're not coached in this, in this kind of pressing at all, but I thought we, we actually implemented it quite well. Um, we didn't really have an idea... Um, when it came to progressing the uh, the ball, there was Lucas who kept on spinning offshore. We weren't really brave enough to give him the ball. And then the one time he actually did get in behind, he set up Sun to score. Um, maybe we'll get on to the Sun incident a bit later on. Maybe we won't. Uh, we got to the second half. And um, yeah, like you said about Pogba, he moved inside off the left um, for what looks like um, an ollie change into a 4-2-2 where like, Pogba wasn't really getting any joy in the first half. He was starting to just peg us completely in the second half, for lack of a better term, like because <laughs> that was almost mm-hmm. pretty much what he does, as well, as well as Cavani just completely running down our right channel. Um, yeah, like there was a lot me made of us kind of protecting the lead again. It was deja vu. Um, at the start of the second half, throughout to when they got the second goal. Um, it was annoying because we obviously saw Pogba was running the game. Mourinho actually tried to react proactively, in his mind anyway. I'm not saying that it was a proactive substitution, but bringing on Sissoko to deal with Pogba has worked in the past. So I could see the thinking behind the substitution, even though I didn't necessarily agree with it because we ended up taking off Celso, I think it was. Um, So, yeah, it kind of felt like we were really inviting pressure, but we did need to stem the flow of Pogba. And it was immediately, I think it it might have even been like a minute or two after Sissoko came on, there was um, an incident where Lucas Moura picked the ball up in in our half and this is why I, I don't like all the United fans giving Sun shit at the moment because uh, especially Oli as well um, with his comments about Sun after the game where Sun, uh, Lucas dribbled out with the ball took it past Bruno uh, but Bruno very very slightly clipped Lucas jumped on the floor rolled around started screaming and and we put the ball out of play even though we were on the counter attack which I was pissed. I was pissed because I knew the only way we were going to hurt this team is through really quick transitions and just to try and hit them on the break. And for all of our absorbing of pressure before 
I mean, once they equalised, we actually did start to wake up and create some chances and test Henderson. So when we put that ball out for a counter-attack, I was thinking to myself, if they score from this, I am going to fucking lose it. I'm going to absolutely lose my rockers. I guess they might have said Peaky Blinders. I don't know. I haven't actually watched the show, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, they still had a lot to do. Like We tried to play out. Um, as losing a, a quick transition opportunity and the ball fell to Sissoko in the middle of the pitch. It was bouncing up. He could have just taken it down. He wasn't really under pressure, to be honest, but lo and behold, he ended up giving it away. Um, United still had a lot to do, but Bruno Fernandes gets the ball, nutmegs Regulon, Greenwood crosses it in, Cavani heads it, and we've we've given them a goal being, um, being a bit soft and spursy, which it was completely annoying. And then after that, our... A kind of um, resurgence after they equalised was just out the window. Like we didn't show anything after after they did score the second goal, other than what was almost a fortunate set piece, which I think Cavani was the one that cleared it off the line. So yeah, it was it was a gutless game, mostly in the second half, a deja vu game where we took the lead and inviting pressure in the second half. It was. It was almost like watching Inception on repeat. <laughs> like I may as well have just watched it. <laughs> and I was just seeing the comments saying we've had Anthony Gardner and Fazio. And yes, Eric Diaz is the worst thing. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I don't even know what I would rate him for that game. I'll give him a three. But the thing is with Diaz as well, just to, just to round off, I, I'll always maintain that he probably has the physical attributes to be a great centre-back, even. But, and it showed today his biggest, uh, not today, but against United, his biggest weakness is when he gives this full sense of calmness just through coasting through games. And it's extremely annoying way. I think of all the attackers in the league would have twigged onto it by now. All you've got to do is run off, run off his back. He's, he's not going to care. He's going to let you run. So yeah, the air again. He needs to try and get some some more kind of at least some awareness in his game, and he might actually be a semi decent centre back next year because no one's going to buy him. So yeah, if, if he can try and improve for next year, that would be just great. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, Fazio and Anthony Gardner also had the physical attributes to be did Fazio <laughs> though. Back. Yeah, yeah well, couldn't run. The air can actually run a fairly decent top speed. Anthony uh, Gardner. I had a soft speed. spot for Gardner. Um, with the air, I feel like he's deceptively quick. Um, I'm going to get killed for saying that in the group chat, but he's, he's, a, he's a deceptive yeah, footballer. Yeah. 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 He has a decent switch. He can bring the ball out. He can step out of the defensive line and win 50-50s. He is quite decent in the 50-50 once he gets there. He's decent in the air. Um, like I said at the beginning of this season, he just needs the XP and the accountability as well because... That, that comment he made um, after a certain game, it might have even been after the Chelsea game and he done his best Booker T impression where he said, oh, it's it's not me making mistakes, it's the team performance. Um, yeah, if he can get some accountability and awareness, he might be a good squad player for us. I'm not having him start, just to, just to put that on record, I'm not having him start, but for me, if he can get some experience and awareness, he can be a decent centre-back because we are stuck with him. 
Well, asking a 27-year-old man who has been playing football for however long to, to try and gain some awareness and not this track is like, I mean. I'm, I'm not good at football and I know Cavani's movement is unreal. Like, you can't sleep um, on Cavani. But at least I, I appreciate you trying to be impartial on Eric Dyer. You're probably the only person in the chat who maybe would help him uh, spread his ashes all over White Hart Lane as the art. Which is ridiculous. The weirdest thing. After I someone think. from this podcast burns him. What? <laughs> no names. <laughs> He wants, to haunt us. he wants to haunt us dead or alive. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. There's oh, a cue. Right. Um, you touched on it a bit earlier, Owen. Uh, Oli had a lot to say um, in, in this, uh, after this game. He had stuff to say about you know, watching us uh, you know, match analysis morning of. And he had some stuff to say about Son. So for those who aren't aware, um, there was a, the first well, a goal got disallowed and effectively uh, there was a bit of a a bit of a tussle. Uh, I say a tussle. It was just McTominay's gone past Son. Son's had a grab at him, as you would. McTominay is just sort of. I'm, I can't even say batted back. He's just got his arm out to shield the ball effectively. Son's got. Um, I mean, I could call it a very aggressive poke to the eye. I could also call myself a liar. Whichever one you want to pick is fine. Um, Son has hit the deck. Goal's been disallowed. Now, Ollie's comments said, if that was my son and he stays down and he needs his mates to help him up, he doesn't get food because that's embarrassing. Hashtag, the game is gone. Um, I personally think that's a little bit rich coming from Ollie. But, you know, Dave, what Dave, what are your thoughts on quote-unquote play acting and then Ollie's comments as well? Yeah, it is. You know, I've, I've been... You know, all my group chats have been talking about this all week. And um, the reality of the situation is, guys, this happens throughout the whole game. It's not just Son, it's not just Kane. It's, it's, you know, players across, you know, all different levels. Unfortunately, you know, they are going down that, you know, uh, you know <laughs> faint, the faintest of touches. Um, and, you know, referees are falling for it. Referees are falling for it. I think with regard to, like, Oli versus jo- um, Jose Mourinho, I think it's a, it's a weird kind of rivalry that is... I think partly being forced a bit, um, and obviously the media like to play up in it. Um, but at the end of the day, with all of Ollie's, you know, hugs and handshakes with his players and fist bumps, and I've got their back lots of Mourinho is still their most successful manager since Ferguson, and I think that sticks a bit in the United fans and then not fans, but in, in the management, they definitely want to start winning things again to prove that they're all right to move on from Mourinho. It's not just all vibes. Um, and it does look like Oli saves his best moments for for us, you know. In you know, obviously six one aside, um, he tends to get the best out of his players coming up against us, um, and I think he likes to push that button. I think his his comment at the end was a bit weird, and I know his son jumped on it the next day, didn't he? You know, because mm-hmm. you know Jose pushed back, and then his son was like, "Oh no, I eat properly and all that stuff." It just gets a bit weird, and I think. You know, for for us to, you know, it's the only probably thing to speak about after our performance. Um, but, yeah, Son did go down too easily. Um, was I glad that the, the goal got ruled down? Yeah, of course. I'm, you know, it's one of the things I can admit that he went down soft, but at the same time, we'll take the benefit from it. Um, obviously, we ended up losing the game and we ended up losing to Cavani's, you know, very good performance. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we see it all, all the way throughout. Does there seem to be a bit of an agenda when sometimes, you know, when it's, you know, predominantly like, you know, Kane, everyone talks about Kane's special move, you know, the one that every 
pretty much every striker does, you know, when they go to the ball yes, yes. and play. You know, that one. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, you just you kind of learn to, to roll with it. Um, but, yeah, it was just, it's just a weird kind of, I don't know. I don't know what it is with, with Oli and, and, you know, his comments on, on Joe Day. It seems, seems to be every game in the lead up to the game or after, you know, it, it gets a bit spiky. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it pans out. Um, if we're lucky enough to, to, well, actually, I think we'll probably have a, a new manager, hopefully, by next season. Um, so we'll see what happens there. That is the hope, absolutely. Um, in regards to Oli's comment, Jose actually, you know, like you said, Jose did bite back, and Jose essentially said, "Ah, oh, you know, uh, Son's dad is is a better is a better man than Oli, and I'm glad." Um, and Jose made a point, Zach, uh, Jack. I wonder your thoughts on this. Jose basically said, "If I said what Oli said, what would you man be saying?" That is effectively what he said um, in the press conference. And you know, just going because I think Yao, one of our one of our pod members, Yao sort of has spoken about this. People like to do this thing. People who aren't Tottenham fans like to do this thing where they say that we're the media darlings and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what the hell are you lot talking about? Like, do you, do you listen to what's actually said? Um, because they think Harry Kane is getting away with fouls or whatever. And you know, Dave, you touched on this whole constru- this constructed. It's a bit like WWE. You know, when there's no storyline popping off. So like, okay, who can we get Roman Reigns and beef with this week? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that is kind of what it feels like. And it's not, it's not quite banging. So, Jack, I was just wondering, like, what do you think the reaction would have been if Oli came out and said that whole thing about, or uh, if if Bruno stayed, if Jose said, oh, if Bruno stayed down like that, and that's my son, I'm not feeding him. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, Joe, we know how big Jose is in the media, in, in the media, in the world, whatever, and it will obviously get much more backlash because. Again, he's not the he's not the Jose of the mid noughties where he was loved by everyone. Whatever he said, people it was gospel. People took to it. People warmed to it. Um, he's a different man, and people see him in a different light. And it would have got a lot, lot more backlash. Um, you see the interviews with Sky Sports to Pogba, and the questions they ask him about Jose. He's, you know, the all the stats about Jose being, you know, Jose's team being, you know, um, sort of. The team that's top of sort of or second in the um, taking the lead um, in the teams taking the lead, and then obviously being last in teams being able to hold the lead or 19th or whatever. Um, yeah, he they would, he would obviously be scrutinised completely. We, we know this. Uh, like he obviously is the ma- he's not the man anymore. He's not the you know he every he's like again I've said this before. He's like Winston Churchill in the crown, you know. Absolutely outmoded. The guy doesn't know he's done. Everyone else, all his team, all his, you know, his members of staff know this guy's his methods are completely outdated. His views, everything of that nature, he's finished. But he can't see it yet. He, he, I don't know what it will take for him to actually finally recognize it. But that's what it is. And I think in the crown, I don't know if you guys watched the crown or anyone watched it, but. The, the moment he realised it was when he had someone um, do his portrait uh, and um, he didn't like it because he thought he looked old and he looked, you know, worn down. But that is what he looked like. And then it that it took him to realise through that. And boy, someone needs to paint Jose's portrait now because he is finished. 
So if if anyone listening, uh, actually definitely follow one or two painters online. So if any of you are listening to this and you'd like to commission a painting of Jose Mourinho in time for the final or after, please do get in touch with um, Touchline Media Group. Thank you very yeah, much. There is a certain picture with a droopy titty, which could probably serve as a good as a good <laughs> painting, a great NFT for him. <laughs> what is that? That um, picture actually triggered me when it first came out as well, but it's fitting now. So yeah. Um, Think back to when he came and you were talking to Delhi Ali about, you know, I want I want Ali and not Ali's brother, all that kind of talk. Mate, someone needs to talk to him about him and his twin brother, do you know what I mean? <laughs> this is this is a pale imitation. And I would he, love Delhi to come out with that. Yeah. Yeah, you'd love to come out and just be like, uh, you know, where's your brother, mate? What about like, your brother? Yeah, it's, it's a shocker from from Maria. But we all know if the if it was on the other way round you know, if Mourinho said anything like that, boy, it would it would have been, you know, we'd still be talking about it today. They mentioned it probably before before today's game, after today's game. They did actually mention about the Pogba thing to Mourinho in his post-game. Um, and I think he's turned around and said that. Uh, let me just get the tweet. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. He doesn't want to comment on it. He says, he goes, you know, I wish I could act as if I care, but I really don't care. Uh, I'm not interested at all. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Mourinho and the old Pogba situation there. Dear, dear. Right. Uh, whilst we are very good at turning um, negatives into into light-hearted, light-hearted, um, light-hearted segments, we are very good at that. Unfortunately, another week, um, another L and another incident of racist abuse. Um, so, you know, for those who did or didn't see, Son, uh, Human Son actually put out a very heartfelt interview prior to the racial abuse, or to be honest, it was probably during. Um, and I know that there's there's this weird section on Spurs Twitter that think players, apologies if you can hear the car alarm going off. Like, I live in a, a particular type of area in Liverpool. This is this is an hourly occurrence. I do apologise um, to any cop and fracker people listening also. Oh, it stopped. Anyway. Um, so yeah, Son basically was, you know, very apologetic. He said sorry about five times in about ten seconds. So the section of Spurs Twitter that think it's really important for for players to apologise because it shows they care. I hope you got what you wanted. I don't know if if that's your kink or if that's what you're into football wise, but I, I honestly hope that satisfied you. Um, obviously, it's always nice to. We'd rather players didn't have to take accountability like that, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so Son suffered racist abuse um, online again. What was it, a week after Davidson Sanchez got the same? 
Um, and it's just it's just starting to feel a bit cyclical. Like I, I don't, we can't say we're bored of racism. You know, these, these are people's lives. These are guys. This is this is a man who, you know, whether he's in form or not, runs his ass off for ninety minutes. Has been one of our better players this season. So it's it's just absolutely absolutely mind boggling. Um, and I I don't really need to ask you guys thoughts on it because I think we're, we're all in agreement. It's it's a disgrace. Where something needs to be done ASAP by by the social media companies and all that kind of stuff. But something that I wanted to touch on a little bit. So we a couple episodes ago with um, Naz from the Anvil Talk, we talked about you know stereotypes and attitudes towards uh, South Asian players. And then something that if I, if I'm being really honest, the only person I've seen speak up really prominent only prominently on this next bit is um, is Mel is um, at Sabalos and she's touched on general attitudes and low-key racism towards East Asian players, which is probably not taken as seriously. Um, I just wondered what you guys were thinking in, in terms of that. How do you think racism is, whether it's, is, is it subtle? Is it not taken as seriously towards the East Asians, like the, the Koreans and the Chinese? I, I think particularly in this country, it's down to numbers. I think um, there aren't as... It, this country isn't as populated with people from East Asia as they are from South Asia or Caribbean or African backgrounds so I think um, there's less of a voice and there's less of a representation of that as a result due to how many people there are of that background in this country and it's just sad that it doesn't get treated you know treated equally and you know it's just it's just such a shame and the worst thing is it's people are just so used to hearing it and it's just that it's just absolutely I don't know what to say really I mean and the worst thing is like from from many of our points of view that we're so used to hearing this about all races that you know particularly on on social media on Instagram that you just don't know how to respond I wish I could be I wish I could be more angry but you become it's almost desensitisation and because because every, you know Instagram platforms like that don't stop it they don't you know you can mm. yeah there's so many things you can't say on Instagram yet there's so many things you still are allowed to say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where where they draw the line to be honest I, I don't know what you guys think but it's just the inconsistencies I think you've also got an issue that, you know, you can't even pin it down to one club or one, you know, the opposition fans or whatever. You know, we saw it with Sanchez a few weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> there was our own fans that were sending abuse. Um, I'm sure there were <clears throat> fans who, you know, were ready to, to string, you know, uh, a few tweets together about Son, you know, when he makes mistakes. Um, and I think just what you said about, you know, in terms of numbers... Um, and representation, that is what it is. You know, you may not be as aware of what goes on um, in, in certain communities and the, the abuse that they get because it's not it's not reported on, it's not um, brought to light. But the fight against racism is not a football issue, it's a society issue, isn't it? Um, and and th- this is what football has done, it's given people a, a place where they can hide and the social media platforms have aided that. Um, we see it, you know, and it's been long documented in this in this in this country from the terraces, um, and we're not talking about in black and white, you know, in the old days, you know, excuse the pun. We're talking about Raheem Sterling a few years ago. We're talking about um, players in, in, in the international side of things. Obviously, we know about the Slavia Prague issue, um, and and the light kind of 
slap on the wrist that footballers get or you know football clubs get. You know, you find if you find a football club fifty k in their Premier League club, you know they they can find that. You know, dinner ladies envelope. Do you mean um, like there, there's not enough strong action taken against these things to even give the appearance that what we're doing is is trying to make a definitive stand. You know, um, when you suspend a player, I think I tweeted it. Um, the other day, he suspended the player for 10 games, you know, the Slavia Prague um, name, but then reaffirmed and got, got, what, eight months for a missed drug test. You know, you, like these things, you know, you can't erase what's happened and, and the bans that you've given out to other players for for indiscretions which, you know, have nothing um, on, on this kind of racism. So I think, you know, a stronger line from the top would help. Um, and it will help maybe make uh, football a safer space for a lot of these communities to feel like they have an entrance into the game. You know, I can only imagine what this what this um, has for you know at a grassroots level, where you know you're looking at you know and you've got boys from from China or Korea or whatever who won't want to get into the game, and they're seeing their heroes be abused online. They're seeing their heroes who are making so much money and, and having so much success on the pitch or whatever, but getting so much abuse then, you know, what's the point? They'll go and do something a little bit less, you know, in the public eye because they don't want to expose themselves to that. Families won't want to expose themselves to that. You know, there'll be a neg- negative um, taint on our on our sport. So it's something that it needs to be addressed at so many different levels. Um, but again, you can't pinpoint it and say, oh, it's just this club or it's just this set. You know, there will be, unfortunately, fans who go to our games, you know, and sit there a few rows up who as soon as a black player or an Asian player loses the ball, does a bit too much tricks or flicks, whatever. Too flashy. Too flashy, yeah. You see, you've got all, all the usual tropes, too flashy. He's, you know, he's not, he's a lazy player. All those kind of things that, that hide a lot of the stereotypes and, and the prejudice that they have. Um, it's an issue and, and society needs to tackle it head on um, and football needs to do more than just take a knee um, before games because I think that's getting a bit tired now. Yeah, I was trying to think. Did they ever ban? Uh, was there ever a ban on Millwall after their racist abuse on Sun? Or they were shouting um, profanity over a certain stereotype at Sun in a cup game, and I, I don't believe that any action was taken, which no, which is crazy. Um, yeah, like like you say, uh, David, it has it has to come right from the top. It's um, something like Jack touched upon as well. There's not much uh, as much. Uh, chat and representation from the East Asian um, community, and again, it needs it does need to come from the top. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just uh, this this is definitely going to be my weakest segue, so bear with me. Uh, you touched on flashy players, which I personally don't have a problem with. I think dribble drowned no. times. Uh, speaking of flashy players, a flashy one did do an interview recently by the name of Paul Pogba. Um, and he basically, so I just want to sort of talk about, you know, so Pogba's comments were obviously, he, he, all he really said was the main difference between Oli and uh, Jose is that Oli doesn't go against the players, you know, and for all the Jose sexuals out there who do this, you, you see it every week. I don't know if it's for clicks or if they genuinely believe this or if they're in some kind of Jose cult underground uh, by, by the railway station. I don't know in it, but you know, a lot of people seem to do this thing. Oh, we're so lucky to have Jose. Oh, he's he's the only guy who could win us stuff. 
all this, this, that. And I don't really get it. Um, so someone on the Discord asked, is this Jose? So I think this this can tie into the proper interview somewhat. So someone on the Discord earlier during the Everton game asked, is this Jose's last club? So I'm just gonna throw I'm gonna throw that one out there. Uh, what do you man think? Is this Jose's last club? It it should be, it should be because for me Jose Mourinho is the kind of manager he's he, his level is either the top or there's no level at all for me. I think. Um, with his sort of philosophy, it, it's a very extreme mindset and a very extreme philosophy in terms of keep you know not being not keeping the ball and allowing the other team to make a mistake when they lose it. And um, yeah, I just think he can only manage at that level where he is able to be to be backed with the players he wants to be to be able to have a group of players, a set of players who are much more disciplined. Because they come from a much more disciplinarian background, um, and that suited him to a T. Um, there's an article in the Independent that says, you know, the average lifespan of manager at the top level is sort of 11 years, roughly. Um, you know, people talking about Capello, Marcello Lippi, Trapattoni, um, obviously Wenger and uh, Alex Ferguson are kind of exceptions to the rule, but. Um, Managers generally that are wedded to a philosophy tend to last about 11 years at the top. And once that's almost a generation, that is a generation of players essentially. And he had his generation, he had his time, and it's done. I, he, he can't stay near a football club ever again for me. He, he can't manage, he can't manage this generation of players anymore. Gen, gen, you know, generation Y, Z, whatever. He can't do it. He can't do it. And, um, his, his, you know, man management methods, it's not going to work anymore. His, ta- his, you know, lack of tactical analysis these days, you know, you see it with us, the pressing. It's not, he's just shouting press, press, press. They're not actually coached to press. There's no clear method or plan. When Kane goes up to one player, there's no selected player to press the second, press the player, the next option, basically. It's just chase the ball. That's not pressing. That's not how pressing works. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be near a club again, in my opinion. I think he should take a role upstairs, um, stay well away from the touchline. Essentially, he's done. He's done. And I, I mean, I call him the Pastel de Nata Pardew because he's honestly. He, I, 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 there's always a bum manager out there you can compare him to. He's that bad. He's that bad. But hey. I said, I said the Mediterranean Mark Hughes. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, so Jay Spurs said in the comments said a couple of minutes ago, um, Josie needs to either adapt or um, do international football. I think he's incapable of adapting. Uh, I remember when he was doing it, he was doing his thing on Sky Sports, which is why I think he should have stayed um, because he actually does give a half decent insight when 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 he's um when he's a pundit um on that kind of platform i've said for a while if he is going to go if his next role where he could actually command a bit of respect probably via some nepotism will be the portugal job but someone kind of reminded me on the discord that their current manager actually won euro 2016 um so owen do you Owen, what are your thoughts because you you had a name for Jose earlier in the season, it it leaves mm. my mind. Would you care to remind me what you were calling Jose earlier in the year for the fans? 
for the fans. Um, I was smiling throughout Jack's <laughs> comments as well, um, purely because I, I genuinely was open to Jose at first. I, I'm, I'm coming to the name, don't worry. Um, I, I was open to Jose because I gen- like the thing with him and his kind of club career at the moment. He did try to adapt and the whole telling thing of like, okay, yeah, he's going to be happy in London. He's come off the back of winning things in, in Manchester while living out of a hotel. Um, the hiring of an attack minded assistant, this new promise of a new philosophy, apparently to Daniel Levy, he looked like he tried to implement something different with us initially. And that led me to calling him daddy because I felt like his man management style would fit our, our dynamic as well. Of say, not that being... like, say that one more time. I was I was on part of the family back then. No, come on, Owen. <laughs> I was on part. Say it one more time. You you called him what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't even say. It. I can't bring myself. because oh. he's, he's he he's kind of turned into this really um. This stepdaddy who's who's treated me very very badly, but now it, it was annoying as well because I thought he's man <laughs> of winning trophies would fit our dynamic of just being laughed at for never winning trophies as well. So I always felt like we needed a manager that had been and done it before to give us our confidence, and it's had the opposite effect. And it's now telling when you've got um, someone who's supposed to be a bit of a dinosaur in the game who's gone past his uh, the average lifespan of a manager in David Moyes and he is now fourth in the league where we've got another um, kind of pragmatic past thinking manager who's struggling to get a tune out of out of us who were Champions League finalists less than two years ago so um, yeah it's it is annoying. I can't even remember what the original question before what I used to call him was now. Um, but so I was saying at the beginning of the season, uh, shout out to him that he he is a great fit. Uh, we've just got the best name yet for him as well in the chat. If uh, you're just listening, someone in the chat has just called him Mugabe Megson. Blood of Jesus. Oh, Better wow. than any name I've ever thought of him. <laughs> so shout anyone that's ever thought about that. that. Reeks of Toby, that does. So fair okay. play. Oh, boy. Is, yeah, um, um, yeah he's, a great, he's a great fit for international management. For the whole human rights thing going on, he'd probably suit managing Qatar. He <laughs> <laughs> should be boycotting that World Cup now anyway. So, yeah. That's... No, he should be managing Al Qaeda, man. He's a football terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think with um, with Jose, obviously, you know, there's like I said, you've got the Jose sexuals, you've got the Poch sexuals, and then you've got the balanced people like us. Um, and you yeah, know, he fair. gets called he gets called a dinosaur a lot. And I think like the fa- facts don't lie in it. You know what I'm saying? So I think I I did a little bit of reading, and something I find really interesting is. He does all this talk about press, 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 and we're obviously not um, conditioned or trained to actually press properly, apart from one man just run at one man. And so there's this term in football called um, high turnovers, which is basically being able to win the ball um, within 40 metres of the opposition goal. 
And I looked at a stat from when he was actually at United. So it was like pretty steady. So they would win the they'd win the ball like an average three foot one, three point two times, um, forty meters from from the goal. And then in the 2017-2018 season, the graph just takes us... I was about to just do my hand and realise people who are listening won't be able to see. But the graph just takes this really steep turn and it goes down from 3.1 uh, to 2.2 in terms of um, high turnovers per goal. So whether he was... I, I don't know if it was a case of just he didn't know how to press or he was just teaching United how to sit. But that is a very clear statistic. I know some people like to pick fancy stats. I'm not going to lie, I've probably never, ever realised the term high turnovers until about four hours ago. But it's about, you know, making it applicable to actually... you'll get. So you're trying to tell us to press, but the statistics show that you're actually bad at winning the ball within 40 metres of the goal. So what's the truth? Um, and Oli has actually, funny enough, brought them back up to the same original level of um, high turnover winning that they were in in the first place. Um, something we touched on earlier with Kane's injury when I was saying, you know, I think Kane might actually be, I just have this feeling Kane's going to play against City Um, and something, because I've had a lot of injuries just as a rugby player and I've always just been, look, if I'm injured, I'm not playing, unless it's like super high stakes, if I'm like 85%, I, I can give you something, do you know what I'm saying? But I've, especially whatever sport it is, whether it's NFL, whether it's NBA, whether it's football, it's, to be honest, they're probably more a bit more vocal about it in NBA. The courtside boys will tell you, if men are not fit, men are not fit. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I don't I don't think players should play through injury unless they absolutely have to. Like, it's a do-or-die relegation fi- final, but, you know, we can't manage without you starting sort of thing. Not necessarily saying Kane has to start against City with that. And Jose's, Jose's history with his attitude towards injury. So, you know, again, something I read. I, I remember there being this big thing about Chris Smalling and a broken toe. And he basically, I, I don't know if he played against Chelsea or he played against somebody, like, after a couple of injections. And he was really good. Jose called him phenomenal, all this kind of stuff. Two weeks later, um, I think they were playing a lesser team. And he was just like, basically, no, he's like, no, Jose, I'm fucked, man. Like, I, I can't play. Like, my toe is banged. Jose started questioning his bravery, all this kind of stuff. Turns out Smalling had a double fracture of the toe, which was a single fracture before this phenomenal game. Jose has a history of, you know, there, there's the proper old school managers that don't believe in the sports science and don't believe in the sports psychology. Unfortunately, it seems Jose falls into um, this kind of this kind of um, this kind of philosophy because I also read there was I think before Sir Alex Ferguson left, he like basically had got United to spend a bit of money on this like nice little sports science area. Jose came in, said, "Fuck that, we're just going to turn these into massage beds." Man swapped sports scientists for massage beds in his first season at Old Trafford, which absolutely mind-boggling to me. Um, and obviously we had the whole Ben Davies thing on Instagram where Josie was like, yeah, man, this is what happens when someone is brave and trying to help their team. And then you've got, uh, what's, what's another recent injury team? It's probably, obviously he's he, well, he, he, burning out. Hmm? Sun burning out. Yeah, sun burning out. Rushing back from injury. I think it was the Liverpool game. He walked off with like some double ankle injury and he played the next game, pretty much. Yeah, even, even in the All or Nothing documentary, when Son busted his arm and he was joking, you're like, yeah, but you can still play though. It's like, no, broke his <laughs> fucking arm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could see, like, the sports scientists and the physios, like, they were, you could see how shook they were to tell Jose he's not going to have a player. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you can't have that attitude 
like as 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 a modern day coach. And I think that kind of ties in. We will we've got other stuff to talk about. I think that ties in a little bit to why we've not seen a lot of Bale recently. I'm not sure Bale has played more than ten minutes in a game in the last like three, four, five games. And I think mm. part of that is probably he's Bale's probably thinking to himself, "Oh, it looks like my body's not what it is. If I don't feel right, I don't feel right." But Bale, how many Bale, how many minutes did Bale play for Wales? He played two nineties in the international yeah. break not long ago. Played two nineties. So it's definitely, it's definitely just Joseph doing this thing that Pogba was talking about when he's like, oh, he, like he was going against Luke Shaw and saying he's not an intentional footballer. You can't just go against players or just have your favourites or saying everyone's got to be a fucking Viking for you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's so for me when I say man's a dinosaur, like it's, you have to just accept like times are changing and you either change of it or or you get left in the mud. And we're mm. very much left in the fucking mud, boys. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, what? No, no, go on. Yeah, just from a, from a coaching perspective, I know, you know, I do a bit of coaching at work and that. Um, just looking at the game since Mourinho came into to foot, to English football in, what, 04 with, with that Chelsea team, you know, the game is played higher up the pitch. You know, like, that's why you know, those stats like, you know, high recovery and turnover ball and all this stuff <coughs> come into it. And it's not just Barcelona. It's not, you know, that kind of tiki-taka era that we always kind of um, refer to as, like, changing the way football is played. Like every team now is playing higher up the pitch, with higher defensive lines, all that kind of thing. So he's coming to Spurs and with players who are a quarter, if not a fifth, of the quality of his best teams with, you know, John Terry, Cavalier, all them kind of guys. And he's turned around and said, right, I want you to play in the same kind of style. You know, we're playing, we're sitting back, we're, we're absorbing pressure, hitting them on the counter. Now, attacking-wise, we can hit play, we, we can actually do damage on the counter. And we saw it in the burn game, this game, um, we can actually create quite a few chances, but we just don't have the personnel to, to play how football was 15 years ago, let alone even 10 years ago, you know, and so, yes, it's great because, you know, we've got a couple of ball-playing centre-backs and all this stuff, it looks great, but defensively, his, his whole system, and I've been looking at it for a couple of weeks and I haven't been on the pod, just, just looking at some of these recent games, I'm like, he's actually trying to force tactics which just won't work in the modern game which is why teams like Brighton look great against us why even you know a Fulham you know remember both the Fulham games have been closed for no reason because we're just playing a style of football that even the lesser teams in the Premiership which is probably the most competitive league you know whether it's the best or not whatever but in terms of you know team a team in the top four could lose to a team who's 13th or 14th those kind of games um, happen quite regularly in, in, in our in our league the game's gone beyond where he's coaching us defensively and if he doesn't have enough to go um, and attack us you know, from a forward perspective we're in that kind of middle and that's why our games are so boring because it's not even like it's one or the other it's this kind of middle kind of just lukewarm just weird kind of just compromise um, between his old tactics and, and what our players inherently no works. Remember, a lot of these guys were here with Potts. A lot of them know that playing on the front foot brought us some of our best moments. You know, yes, we didn't win any trophies, but we were able to get, you know, get things going. We were able to, you know, win games in the last 10 minutes. Remember that Swansea game where we were like 3-1 down and 1-4-3 or something like that, or 2-1 down and 1-3-2. Mm. You know, I think we scored like two goals in the last three minutes, you know, in the 90th minute. So those kind of games, you're not going to see that. You know, you're not going to see that in, 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 with the current manager. So, it's a shocker, really, um, and it's, it's alienating the likes of Ali, Bale, um, even Lucas to a certain extent early in the season. 
um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to see. Exactly that. Just touching on. <laughs> so that so for the people that are um, that are listening, but there's a picture of uh, on right now of uh, Loris and Aurea celebrating a two-two draw at Evan. Score cup winner. It just speaks yeah. to where we are. It speaks to throw, where we are. Throw everyone in the bin. Throw a everything game, in the bin. game that we were so trash, and they're celebrating. We was well, we were a two pack of ass tonight. Uh, but speaking of alien players, uh, there's one particular player who. We're going to try and squeeze him in just before the Southampton uh, preview we can touch on. Obviously, Jose decided that Juan Foyth was better um, being in Spain under uh, Una Emery with Villarreal. Now, the thing with Foyth, so I've always just sort of thought, like, he's y- he was young, probably got a bit of his rashness from um, Uncle Lamella at training, but I think you can kind of afford to be that rash when you're a bit younger because you have time to iron out the mistakes, not not a 27-year-old um, Portuguese passport-holding buzz cut having centre-back who thinks he's not a centre-back. Um, no names. But I just want you guys to... Are we are we making a mistake letting Juan Foyt go? Because he only has a £13 million um, like permanent fee option on the um, on the Villarreal deal. So what what, what do you guys think on, on Juan Foyt? I, I think going for £13 million might be a bit... It's a bit underwhelming on it from our point of view, but having said that, I haven't been convinced by him. Um, you know, people were calling out Oreo for being rash. This guy, in terms of rashness, this guy is—he has—he has smallpox. <laughs> this guy is honestly the two—the two penalties at Wolves, Crystal Palace, descending off at Bournemouth, was it? Nah, nah. He was—he was on another level of rash. And um, yes, that can be coached out of you and whatnot, but even then, I wasn't convinced by him as a centre back anyway. Um, to be honest, he has his moments. Yeah, he, he had a few decent performances, but I think letting him go for thirty million might be a, too little, especially considering it's Daniel Levy. But I'm I'm more than happy to see the back of him. To be honest, like, you know, even even with our centre backs, we just need we just need to bin all of them. To be honest, every single one. Mm, I remember thinking at the time um, that him getting the first team experience at Villarreal would actually be really, really good. But it's it's uh, we've kind of jumped the gun by putting that clause in, giving them the option to buy him for such a low fee. Because now, now we've got the benefit of hindsight. We kind of look at it and think, okay, off the back of what was a really good preseason for him, if I remember rightly, he showed a, like, a lot of the qualities he does have to offer, especially like at right back, which is a problem position for us. Um, yeah, he, he in hindsight, he would not have done worse than what we have this season. So, um, yeah, we should have at least, I guess, had the option for him to just, I guess come back. I feel like we loaned him out because of the homegrown quota. Like I'm not sure we could have even registered him, even if we wanted to. But um, for him to potentially go to Villarreal, which looks like they are going to take that option because they'd be silly not to, then um, yeah, it it was a bit of uh, it was a bit jumping the gun because Levy we signed him for nine million. The clause is thirty million, so with inflation, he's broken even. Like I've, we could have got a bit more for him, regardless. If we're lucky, we can use him as a make weight for 
Um, one of Villarreal centre backs is one in particular that has been making a bit of noise in in Pal Torres. If if I've said his name right, if we can potentially use fourth in the make weight for that, that might be able to save be a saving grace for us. Yeah, I think I think <clears throat> four best games for us were you you know when he played the odd European tie um, or against lower opposition, he struggled in the Premiership. Uh, that was just one more. He does have a talent. He has got talent, and we saw it on occasion. But like um, Jack said, he's too rash. And he, his lack of concentration and composure, I think, just doesn't suit the speed of the English game, especially at the level we're trying to go to. So I think, you know, yes, he, would he have probably done better for us against Zagreb? Probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we're, you know, we don't want to play the Zagrebs. You know, we don't want to be playing those games. We want to be challenging higher up um, the league and in, in better European competition. So I think if we can get a better player in to, to replace him, then obviously we'll go for it. Um, wish him all the best. But I do think he, he was a bit limited. And seeing him flourish overseas um, in, in a different league, a, a slower league, um, there is a bit more time on the ball. You know, he's not going to get... He doesn't have to face the type of midfields that... Um, that he would face in, in England um, week in, week out. You know, obviously there's some top players out in Spain, um, but I think he's probably thrived off, you know, a bit of a slower pace to it. Um, but in terms of, you know, someone's just put, you know, who do we want to sign for Spurs in terms of replacements? There's a centre-back I've been looking at for the past couple of years. Uh, from the, he played out in um, Bayer Leverkusen, and I put in a group chat, Jonathan Tarr, German centre-back. I think his market rate is about £18 million at the moment. And from what I saw at the World Cup, uh, not World Cup, the Euros a couple of years ago, <coughs> um, he looked decent. Um, I think he'd be a better upgrade on pretty much all of our players. Uh, um, you look at some like Anderson, I think there's talk about Anderson from Fulham, I think it is. Um, mate, money's going to be tight, but if we can get at least one decent centre back in and maybe see what we can get out of Toby for one more season. Because um, Toby still is our best centre back, isn't he? So... Go from there. You just know, you just know it's going to be Vestergaard, isn't it? You just know that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know that. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Um, uh, Joshy.7, I, I, I assume you're a Wolves fan, but we appreciate the the questions nonetheless. So I'm going to try and answer uh, your three questions in one sweep. So your first question was, what do you think of Wolves this season? I think they're fucking pricks for selling us number two because for 14.7 million. Because when Paul Merson. I remember Paul Merson was like, oh, why have they let him go for so cheap? And history tells that if Paul Merson disagrees with an opinion, the opinion's probably right. So that's the first thing I think. <laughs> um, do I think they'll be relegated and beat Sheffield United? No, I don't think they're going to be relegated. Um, I think the relegation battle will be very interesting, but no, I don't think Wolves will go down. And hope, But if Wolves did go down, I would love to have Pedro Neto off them. I think he's a baller. Um, very unlucky with his injury recently. Um, so there's been a bit of talk about, you know, the way it's always, we've spoken at one for it and some people saying he should have had his chance, should have, maybe shouldn't have had his chance. And the way his development has gone is quite similar to Carl Walker-Peters, who we are probably facing uh, at some point next week. So uh, with regards to that, Southampton, 14th in the league. Their recent run of results haven't looked too tasty. Got cooked 3-0. Actually, I might have just lied. They got cooked 3-0 by Sam Allardyce's boys, I think. That guy, uh, Carl Robinson, actually scored his first Premier League goals that went against Chelsea. Fun fact. So they just got beat by West Brom. 
they're going to have one eye on the semi-final um, against... Actually, they've just played their semi-final against Leicester. So how do you boys think the Southampton game is going to go, Jack? <sighs> I don't want to see a back three. I don't want to ever see that again um, because it's not worked this season. What has worked has been the back four primarily, um, even though neither are working right now. Um, I'm hoping to see Toby and Toby and Jaffet centre back. That's that would be ideal, but I think is I think he's going to go with I think he's going to go Dyer again. Um, I think he's fed up with Sanchez to be honest. Um, number two, he might he might feature. I think number two is probably going to feature as a fullback, <laughs> not a right back. Um, uh, I think Regulon will be dropped, you know. I have a feeling that we saw we saw for the um, for Sigerson's um, second goal, um him jogging back um before getting before getting to the cross and he, he had an atrocious performance that game anyway, he was rapidly taken off. I think Jose will see that and Jose will see the lack of urgency from him as well and lack of chasing down the ball. He'll probably play Benjamin there, I think. Um I think Benjamin will feature. Um and yeah, I think I can't see Ndombele playing this game. I, I think I think GLC will feature with Hoybier, um in that midfield again. Ndombele was, was poor, and Jose will um, so he'll see that he'll he'll see that more than he'll see other players definitely. And yeah, um, Kane definitely won't feature. Um, I think Bale, Vinny, and potentially Mora up front. I think he might rest some in Kane for the final. I think. He will put always. He, he's gonna have to. It's our only important game of the season. Now we don't have it. All, all the other games are dead rubber. So he's gonna have to play a weakened squad. So I think Bale, Vinny, and either Bergwijn or Mora, um, one of them will feature. Um, it's gonna be a very weakened side. And yeah, uh, I'm not optimistic about it. But yeah, don't blame, so. don't blame me in the slightest. I think we didn't say it when we touched on Everton, but just quick show of hands. Did anyone else not think it was a penalty? Because I think Reguilón was rash with his running direction, but Hammers was on his way down and he kicked the floor. Reguilón's not actually touched him before he hit the ground, but I'm probably I'd, like it, it doesn't really matter because he didn't deserve to win. But I don't know. I don't know if you man thought it was a penalty or not. Yeah, I do. I don't think it was, but <clears throat> you know, it's, it's rash from from Reguilón, and he's been off off the ball since he's come out from his injury. Um, I think we can we can safely say he's lost the impetus that he had in the first half of the season, um, in both directions, defensively and attacking wise. Um, he seems to be a little bit more hesitant on the ball, um, and he's definitely not pressing and, and, and you know putting the opposition under pressure as he was. Um, and then that could be a tactical thing. It could be the fact that he's got so many different partners next to him. You know, he's had you know Sanchez. This is this was seventeenth centre-back partnership um, in 32 games this season. That's over half the games we've had a different centre-back partnership. Do you know what I mean? For for anyone in any sport, defensively, you know it's all about combinations and partnerships. Um, if you can't build any of that, and I think he'll ring the changes for the Southampton game as well. Um, I actually think we will see Sanchez. I think we'll see Sanchez and Rodon, or Sanchez and Dyer. Um, I think he'll keep Toby on ice, hopefully for the final. Um, yeah, Ndombele, don't see Ndombele playing midweek. Um, it'll be Lascelles, so Mora probably play Lamella, Son and Vinny. 
and, and then fill in the gaps, really. I'm hoping number two um, is injured for the rest of the season. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just... I'm, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing too heavy, nothing too strenuous, but just enough... Just, to... just don't want to see you back in training. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't rate him at all, as you guys know. Um, but yeah, number two, the man who will not be named. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he should play. But it's, it's do we stick with Serge for the next couple of games? Is Serge going to play three games in a week? Or is he going to give Tanganga a chance in the final? I think he was going to give Tanganga a chance in the final because he just seemed to be a bit more defensively assured against trickier players. And we've seen it in his first game in Liverpool. In all the big games that he's played in, he's probably been one of our better players. Um, if still he has a bit of food deficiencies. Um, and again, it's all about who's next to him. Now, when he's got Toby next to him, when he's got you know a leader in defence, Jaffet looks even better than he actually is. Um, or then, then we know he can play. Um, but still, when he's got a cover for Sanchez and do you know all the legwork for two players, it's a lot of things. So we'll see what happens. But you know, it's going to be a bit of a mishmash and a game that we'll all be forced to watch because we have that sick compulsion for the club. Indeed, you know? there's definitely an element of sadomasochism when supporting Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so, Owen, can you give me a score prediction, please, for Southampton? Um, I'll go for. I feel quite numb going into this game, to be honest. Um, for me, I'll just be interested to see how we do it without Kane, because I have no doubt he's going to be rested. But I'll go for a, maybe a messy and undeserved two-two draw. Two-two sounds fair. Jack, what about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll say a draw. So I'll say probably one-one. No Kane, no game. Really. Score draw. We going for a score draw hat trick, Dave? Nope, I think we're going to lose this game. Um, I think Danny is going to have his way with our defence. Um, 2-1 to Southampton, unfortunately. Um, it would be great if we have a win before before Sunday um, because I do feel like we're going to get pummeled on Sunday. <laughs> um, but now I, I can see Southampton just, you know, just having a good day against us, you know, and just really exposing some of these deficiencies that Newcastle exposed. Come on, you know, so I think it's going to be 2-1 loss and then we see what happens on Sunday. I, I'm, I'm actually inclined to, I've, I don't think I've ever given a loss as my prediction, but I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I think we're going to lose 2-1. Um, I think Vinny's going to get a goal, probably smash it from four yards and then celebrate like Mbappe. But I quite like that he does that, to be fair. I, I quite enjoy it. I have no issue with him celebrating. Oh, I, I like him. I like him. I have no problem with that. Um, I think... If Benjamin plays, I think Phil Walcott is just going to done his dance in 100 metres. Um, I think Danny Ings is, is going to try and get on that Euro plane and shoot like shoot and shoot. And Ward Prowse will just probably pop at top bins from 27 yards. Oh, God, man. Oh, he, he always has his best game against us. He, he loves it. He, he loves it. And Carl Walker-Peters, is, is, he, he's going to want to show up as well, obviously. Um, so, yeah, just to uh, let's just hope Spurs don't, you know, Let's just, just please. All we ask is just not to be disgraced. You know, we had we had a sponsor disgrace us the other day. You know, we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to paint over some cracks as they. Uh, Thank you very much. I've been trying to do that for about an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's thank you for listening to this week's episode of Touchline Hotspur. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. That is Spurs underscore Touchline. Follow the Instagram as well. Also Spurs underscore Touchline. 
Um, obviously, the YouTube as well. Follow Touchline Fracker for the YouTube. Uh, you have the Spurs-specific playlist. Join us on Discord next week. Um, for there will probably be one for Southampton. There will absolutely be one for the uh, for the final because not necessarily just to listen to us talk about Spurs, but it's more for people to sip the blood of their enemies. If I'm being really honest with you, um, I've been your host, Ohio at Ohio V1. Dave, Owen, Jack. Thank you very much. Juicy Jeff it says, I'm ter- terrified about the Man City game, as are we, my friend. As are we. <laughs> and thank you very much, boys. Take it easy. On debut, has got the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.